Welcome back to another impactful night of the Impact Education Leadership. This is episode 115. I'm your host, ID3, for Eyes the Third. Tonight's panelists are Dr. Teresa Percent and Delna Bryan. Delna Bryan, please say hello to the people. Good evening, one and all, especially those of us here in Dallas. How are you all doing? Awesome. And Dr. Teresa Percent, please say hello again to the people. Hello, everyone. This is Dr. Teresa Poussaint. I'm in your nation's capital, Washington, D.C. Glad to be here. We're so glad to have you here, Dr. Poussaint. And tonight's topic is, wow, one we have been waiting for. That is 100 and Beyond Anti-Bullying Campaign Addressing Bullying Through the Love Language Styles. That's right. We said it. The Love Language (laughs) Styles. (laughs) So we have... We've now embarked upon a new normal as the COVID-19 pandemic has restructured our society and how we learn. The education industry may need to join forces and do more conversing on new channels concerning communication platforms. Communication styles are becoming more personal and content is being tailored to more specifics related to topics like emotional intelligence and emotional well-being because of COVID-19 education must develop a new way of communicating to attract our diverse learners from diverse backgrounds and environmental structures a learner's internal and external environments can positively or negatively influence their ability to complete goals Right, especially when communication skills are different. And so communicating appropriately and effectively with others is necessary. It's vital, it's crucial. In most cases, we look at these channels through various means that we can use as it relates to approaches to build up and maintain the necessary relationships to keep them healthy for cohabitation. And so tonight we want to focus on one of the most important communication skills of all time. And this is the apex of communication. And that's seen through our love languages. And so with that being said, I'm so excited to welcome back Delta Bryan to the podcast. Ms. Bryan, please again, we welcome you. You belong here. This is your home. Let us know what you got going on currently. Currently, I am navigating the end of nine weeks grading period at Young Men's Leadership Academy and starting the new nine weeks. This all-boys school, middle school, continues to be an exciting challenge, to say the least. Teaching all boys, it's not the same as having both genders at the school. The way you speak to them is totally different. So it's a very challenging and interesting year with them coming back from doing virtual learning. Some were at home doing what they wanted to do when they wanted to do it, how they wanted to do it. 
and having them back in a classroom, how do you settle them down to come back to a normal brick and mortar building to be educated? Sir? Absolutely. Thank you for that. You know, we have been seeing new levels uh, of low self-esteem. And it's been seen physically, uh, and we sometimes see it when we are instructing or teaching our students and they cannot sit still, right, uh, maybe because the information may be hard to digest, right? And so tonight, I believe this conversation is going to help us unlock those uh, powers, those, those hidden powers that, uh, that are uh, available Right, there are available to our, our students and that we need to help them realize through that realization that they uh, have those hidden powers, I, I believe. And so tonight we are going to in, empower uh, those students uh, to see uh, futuristically, if you will, to that future student. And we're going to help them cross that bridge uh, over those, those, those troubled waters of development. And, and with that being said, I want to uh, ask you a question, Ms. Brian. Uh, how important, uh, based off of what we just said, how important is knowing uh, a person's love language, uh, especially when you're communicating with them, teaching them, instructing them, and they are learning from you, uh, when um, you are managing or you are um, and what I'm, what I'm talking about, what I mean by management, management, I'm referring to uh, classroom management, right, or, or campus management at our schools. But uh, but as it pertains to managing those healthy relationships uh, with our young people, uh, that's my first question tonight to start the topic off. It is essential that we understand their love languages because they're all not operating from the same level, the same style, the same needs. And as you try to build relationships with the diverse students that you have, you must know if that child will act and react, if his or her love language is praise, you must remember that. You must be cognizant of that fact and always praise that child. You will get much more out of the child. Another student might not need praise. They'll go on and they'll do whatever they have to do. They might need extra time. Some of us have students with special needs in the room. They're functioning with different IEPs. Would that student need 
an extra five or ten minutes or whatever time. Know your IEPs. Know the need of that student. That's his or her love style. What about the student that is not going to react if they don't get a little token, a gift? It is very, very easy. As teachers, we are not making billion-dollar salaries or million-dollar salaries. But we can go to an inexpensive, the dollar store, the 99-cent store, and pick up an assortment of things. You're playing a game to foment, to have them learn some concept, and rewarding the student with a small gift, that is that child's love language, and you will get leaps and bounds out of that student. You have to definitely know your students. You cannot be in the classroom just for show because the students will know whether you care or not, whether you understand them or not. You need to know what is their style and how to reach each and every one of them in the room. Mm. It's not all one cookie cutter. One size will fit all. They have different styles that you the teacher, the master teacher, the magician, the person who's going to be getting to learn what you need to do. You need to know their love languages to be able to teach them. Sir? Ma'am, thank you so much. As always, you start the conversations off and warp speed. Uh, I, you know, the expressions that I heard from you brought about uh, so much strength, as always. And, and those strengths are aligned to the interests that many educators are needing to have, especially those uh, educators aspiring to be those master uh, teachers. Uh, to go above and beyond the, the proficient realm uh, to the mastery uh, level uh, with that type of innovation that we heard tonight. And, and that is necessary for those uh, improvements as it relates to those teacher evaluations that uh, have to happen uh, at least uh, three to five times uh, per per year. And But it's uh, the, the creative, the creative, thinking uh, that you uh, also gave us tonight as it relates to those communication styles moving forward that are so 
uh, necessary for establishing those new ways uh, of, of communicating that will include a very inclusive and, a, and a very attractive for those those diverse learners. Uh, I know that there are many um, ESL students uh, that we have now. I don't know uh, the ratio uh, if we have more ESL students now than we have had uh, over the last 10 or 20 years, but I do know that the influx uh, is great. And so we need that diversity. We need that diversity and we need that inclusion in our education systems and in our educational platforms uh, for that translation. And so that gives us a sense of purpose, especially for this conversation tonight. I want to I move, uh, I want to transition to our next panelist very, very quick, but I want to I want to thank you again, Ms. Delta Bryant, for adding so much value to this podcast. Don't go anywhere. I want to bring in our next panelist. That is Dr. Teresa Poussaint. Please begin to hello to the listeners. I hope I didn't badger your name too bad. <laughs> no, that's right. It's, it's only two syllables, Poussaint. So <laughs> it's French. It's fine. Um, Hi again, everyone. Yes. Um, I enjoyed listening to Dar, uh, to Delna Bryan uh, talking about uh, the all boys school that she um, runs there. Um, just fascinating. I was just listening so intently, and I I know you know I love teachers. I just love teachers. Um, they are so underpaid for all they have to do. And listening to Delna and how you have to. Pretty, you, you have to really know your student and learn their communication style and their love language and, and what what makes them want to strive and, 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 and aspire to to do well or do anything that day as a matter of fact. But can you can you see managing that classroom of 15, 20 boys and, and you having to push pretty much individualize your style of communicating with each one of them in order for them to be successful. What a huge responsibility. What a huge challenge that is. And teachers should be paid millions. They should be paid darn more than what, what they're being paid now, that's for sure. Um, an honorable profession that just does not get its due. Unbelievable. Uh, because it's just so much especially for teachers who are so passionate about what they do and ensuring that their students learn and no one is left behind. Um, but I teach, I teach adults, um, uh, but I've also uh, been a guest educator here in D.C. public schools where I would go in and instead of them bringing in parents to substitute, I would volunteer to go in. And I remember going into the classrooms and, you know, when, just like when we were younger and we knew that we had a substitute teacher, the first thing we said, we would say to ourselves, oh, today's going to be a fun day because we could take advantage of the substitute because she doesn't know all of the process and the procedures and the protocol around here. Well, that didn't quite happen to me. Let's just say I have a presence about me. I would put on my uh, pinstripe suit, look like a businesswoman, go in there and, and have a presence that will demand their attention and respect. Sure, the kids don't grow up with the the self-esteem and the confidence they need to be successful, or in school, that is. Um, and many of them come from dire situations. 
Um, D.C., we have an influx of food programs to make sure our students are fed because, you know, as bad laws hire their needs, if their basic needs are not being met, there's no way in the world they want to learn anything. So, um, so we have to make sure that, 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 that a hunger is not an issue in our school system. Um, but, uh, but I would go in and, and substitute these uh, classes and, and would have a wonderful, wonderful experience and go back to reality and say, oh, my God, again, these teachers are managing these children, their, their outbreaks, their, their, um, their special needs, um, like, like um, um, Delno was saying. And it's just unbelievable what they have to do. And it is at, at that moment that I say to myself, that is why I teach adults. So my heart goes out and my love goes out to teachers who teach K through 12. I do. When I, when I, when someone tells me they teach in the school system, I just like, mm, I love you. God bless you. Because I know how difficult that is. But teaching adults is a little different because I am able to hold adults accountable. I am much so that we can't kid, but I hold them accountable. But I do teach a lot of ESL students. I teach at an international university. So my students are from Pakistan, Afghanistan, um, um, Mongolia, Paris, uh, Brazil. They're from all over the place. And many of them uh, um, have to come and first start at the university taking their ESL courses. So I have to work with them with their writing to let them understand how the correct way of writing them. You know, many of my um, um, African students will, will say nowadays or, or from, even from um, 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 India or, or other countries, they say now, they say, well, here we just say today. I mean, it's, it's, it's a very smaller word than nowadays. But um, it's, it's getting used to the language and the writing. But I'm dealing with the same styles. I have my auditory learners, I have my visual learners, and I have my tactile learners. So I have to incorporate all of that. I have to incorporate. I, I love face-to-face. So I love going to the campus and teach versus online. Um, but then they have me. They can see me visually teach. And, and then I have my PowerPoint. So I have videos or, or whatever that, that, that also incorporates into my curriculum. And then I have projects or in-class assignments for my tactile learners who need to see by doing. And, um, and my, most of my students are business students, so there's a lot of uh, material that I can use to help them navigate through that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's fascinating. It's challenging. It's challenging um, teaching adults, too, but I don't think not as challenging as it is in teaching K through 12. But that's what my experience is, is teaching adults. I love teaching adults because um, I and, and I believe my philosophy is that teachers are not just teachers we are also motivators so I truly believe in motivating each and every one of my students and one of my core principles that I would not be able to use in the K-12 format that, that, that uh, Delma just talked about is I, I, I really hold on to equality I make sure that my adult students are all treated equally so there are no signs of favoritism or anything. I hold them all accountable on the same level. So one of the statements I usually make at the beginning of every semester is that the grade you get in this class is the grade you earn. You can never tell anyone Dr. Poussaint gave you anything. I didn't give you an A. I didn't give you a C. That is the grade you earn. That, that way it keeps me, it keeps me uh, my subjectivity out of it. and makes me... Um, uh, grade everyone equally according to a rubric 
Um, and not everyone is on the same level. So I'm, I believe in equality in what I'm teaching and fairness um, and giving. Um, sometimes I do get some students who are um, who I have to give additional time to complete assignments. They will go through the university's ADA program. Of course, I don't need to know what the disability is, but, but I do know who that student is, and I, I would have to give them extra time to do things. Sometimes adults need that, too. just depends on the learning uh, disability or the style. So, um, But, yeah, um, that's where I am. with it. I'm teaching two courses right now, so I'm teaching a couple of days out of the week. I, again, I love teaching. It's a wonderful, wonderful uh, profession. Thank you. Oh, no, thank you. And you, like uh, Ms. Bryan, Delma Bryan, uh, also have a, a very high touch uh, as it relates to education. And, and that's necessary for our um, effectiveness in these educational environments and settings and uh, as it relates to uh, those effective practices uh, moving ahead, moving forward. And so, you know, as I hear you speak and Ms. Bryan speak, I, I hear that, that sense of belonging. This is where you belong. You were born, you were bred for this, right? You were bred to be an educator, okay? And so it's that type of, I would say, support system that is so vital. Not only is it vital, but it's, it's crucial to these young minds, to, to the future of not only this nation, but the world. These are real changes that we have had the privilege to be blessed with to to welcome them in our presence in our space in our sphere right and for us to drop those those nuggets those gems um for them to grab right and to take and to consume and to take off with this is going to help us rebuild this society and so the exposure that uh, I'm hearing that you give for your students, uh, it, I'm speechless because it's priceless. Like Ms. Bryan said, you know, we're not getting paid, you know, millions of dollars to do this. So we have to be creative and find ways of giving those, I would say, vitamins, those necessary uh, nutrients to our our young learners to help them and equip them and build them up, right? And so it makes everything relevant. It makes everything sit in place. It gives us posture. It gives us positioning, right? And it, it keeps us aligned. Yeah, we still have to teach to the test, <laughs> but, you know, while we're not teaching to the test, while we're not being evaluated, right, we're we're still plugging in when we can and fitting in when we can. And in the process, we're teaching our young minds how to manage their time. And with that being said, because now we have, with COVID-19, we have more things that have been manifesting, like bullying, mm -hmm. right? And so how can we describe? Well, how would you describe? How Describe how a strong sense of of mind body and I would say spirit a strong sense of mind body and spirit hmm, that's a cliche right but how is that necessary for helping children that are especially being bullied right help them be resilient help them help them hunt for the good stuff help them continue to have growth mindsets, 
to stay positive, even though they're being bullied, right? And I'm asking because you are someone that has a wealth of experience because you're an overcomer. So I want, I want to walk with you tonight. I want us to hear what you have to say. And I promise you, we will not interrupt tonight. <laughs> we will listen. <laughs> what are your thoughts? Well, like you said earlier about seems like our young kids um, have, don't have the self-esteem. And I think that starts at home. I really do. I believe it starts at home. It is the nurturing that that that, that parents give their children to, to build their confidence. They build their self-esteem. Um, I have two daughters, and, and, and bring, coming up in a household with me is three women because I, after 18 years of marriage, my husband left, and then he passed away. So it was, it was just so important for me to instill into my daughters that they were the navigator of their own destinies. No one, no one can tell you what you can and cannot do. You have the power to become and do whatever you want to do. Both of my daughters were creative, artistic. Both attended the Duke Ellington School of the Arts, and my, my eldest daughter, who passed away almost just a year ago, was a classical violinist. My daughter, Felicity, is a, is a, is a, a drama queen. I call her a drama queen. She went on to Emerson to um, get her BFA. Now she's at American University getting her master's in arts management. She wants to manage, I guess, the Kennedy Center, one of these Smithsonian institutes or whatever. But she, they're autistic, so they're very creative. Um, and um, so they didn't um, um, go the, uh, I guess you could say, the accountant route or the business route. They just wanted to use their God gift. Um, Felicity was, I think, about eight years old when I saw an after-schools program, a nonprofit that I volunteered for and sat on the board for several years called Kid Power here in D.C., after-school program that I put her in, and she was in it all the way up to high school. She now works there um, uh, it's not, and, and as a mentor, mentor coordinator. Um, but when she was about eight or nine years old, she went into this place. I think they did Antigua. And... Um, she was the only kid on stage without any note cards about her lines. And she just did so well. And the executive director looked at me at that time. He said, Miss Kusan, that girl's got it. I said, he said, nurture it. So that's what I did. I just kept watering it and watering it. And we went to all of the shows at the Kennedy Center. And, then the, you know, D.C. is just full of arts. And I just nurtured it. I nurtured it all the way through. And same with Cordelia in the violin. I had every violin lesson that I, you know, I was that violin parent and walking around with the violin, taking it to all the, all of the teachers' um, um, lessons and things of that nature. But when you see, this is how you build the self-esteem in the child, that if you see their gift, you are not to change just because you're an accountant or you're a lawyer, you're a doctor, they have to be that. No, let them be who they are becoming to be, but you as a parent need to be cognizant, cognizant of that gift and nurture that gift and let them blossom and become the women or the men that they will come out to be. But a lot of our children today don't have that type of guidance. They don't have that self-esteem. Um, and, and because of social media, I love social media to a certain extent, but I don't like the ones when I hear that kids are committing suicide or taking their own lives because they've been bullied online because someone has 
talked about them so badly that they can't even wake up the next day and face life, that they believe that um, uh, things would be better without them. I just don't understand that. And so it is up to, and I am quite certain that the parents of the kids who committed suicide and things of that nature are walking around with a tremendous amount of guilt because they would probably say, maybe I should have been more involved in their life. Maybe I should have been watching more what they were doing online. And the answer to both of those is yes. Yes, you, you have to watch your children. You have to be there for them. You have to know what they're doing and getting in trouble with um, uh, people who may be trying to influence them. You have to teach them to, who to stay away from. So if they have a positive sense of who they are, a strong sense of who they are as a person. And, and, and another thing that I would teach my daughters when they went off to school, I said, when you walk out that door, you represent me. But don't act a fool because I'm not a fool. So and when I was doing the volunteering and, and being a guest educator at, at the public schools in D.C., I would, I would look at kids and I would see their parents. That's how I identify kids. That, that's your parents. You are representing your parents. I remember one instance, there was a young lady. I'll tell this story. There was a young lady in one of those classes, and I could tell that she was a leader because she had about four other students around her, and they were bullying other students. And one day, I just noticed her. I watched her. I was, you know, she, she did the work. I mean, she, she did it um, haphazardly. And she finally got it done. And I think I substituted that class for maybe three or four days where a teacher was out sick or something. And I remember coming back the next day and I spoke with her and I pulled her to the side after class one day and I said, you know what? You are a natural born leader. I said, I see it in you because you have them following you. But what you're doing is using it in a negative way. I need you to turn that around and make it positive. Be a positive influence on those who are following around you. And I expect you to do great things one day as a leader. Do you know, not know that her disposition changed immediately? And just recognizing that particular talent in her or skill set in her, I don't know what she's doing today, but she, she's definitely a natural-born leader. And I'm hoping that she used those words of encouragement to 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 set a different tone, because I left the school, so I really don't know what her behavior was. But I can see her disposition changing. I can hear, I can see that what I said impacted her, to say that I need to stop being a little raunchy here and just uh, be positive, because I saw when she did her work, the others did their work. They were pretty much mimicking her. So um, but just use it in a positive way. But it's those kinds of things that I don't mind taking a minute out of my day to say something like that. Another incident was a young man I was talking about um, chivalry, and a young man was in the class, and I was teaching him how they should treat ladies, how chivalry should not be dead. If, if you see an elderly person uh, trying to get into an open the door for them, if you see a young lady, open the door, hold the door. Don't jump on the bus and jump in the seat before them. Let them, let them do it. And, and when I talked, I talked about how a man, when a man, when I was growing up, when a man walked down the street, he always walked on the outside of the street, and the woman was on the end to keep her safe. The young man came to class the next day and brought me a handwritten note. He said, you are appreciated. Thank you, Dr. Poussin, for teaching me how to be a gentleman. 
just that one thing I was talking about impacted him, that he bring me a hand note the next day saying that I taught him how to be a gentleman. You don't know what you say to someone that can literally impact their life. That's why you have to be careful what you say. You have to be careful what you say. And when I was in high school, my guidance counselor told me I was in college material. Yeah, I know. I've heard quite a few people say they I don't I don't these guidance counselors Ludicrous. It's ludicrous. Yeah, it's crazy. I, I don't understand these guidance counselors that tell you you're not college material. I have a doctorate degree. So <laughs> what do you mean? I I love education. What do you mean I'm not college material? And it's so discouraging when I think back on it that that's what a high school counselor told me. That's that was bullying. I, that was that's yeah. a form of bullying. But go ahead. I'm sorry. No, you're great. No, that's fantastic. But but I I heard that, and, and that's not what we are supposed to be doing as teachers, as counselors. Everybody has a place somewhere in this world in doing something. At least, at a minimum, help guide the student to something they may like to do. Everybody can't. College is not for everybody. Somebody, maybe someone needs to go to a trade school. She's a cosmetologist. She loves doing hair. They love doing whatever it may be. But there is a path for everybody, and you don't have to kill their joy and their plan and their future by telling them something like that. All that. Okay, let me ask a question. Mm -hmm. Yeah, let me ask a question real quick. Because, and and this, I know. I'm, I'm, take, I'm catching you off guard, but, but, you know, you ladies are ready for this. And I tell you what, let me, I'm going to ask Dona first. Ms. Br- and then I want you to answer after this, Dr. Okay. Uh, son. What's your love language? Do you know? Uh-oh. <laughs> of course I know. Of course I know. My love language is occasional praise. All you have to do is, I don't need to be praised every time something is done. But every now and then, you just say, well done. Job well done. That's all I need. I know, and I'm comfortable with myself, we talk about bullying now. Bullying is nothing new. (laughs) It has been around for many years. You can go through different books and read about whether what generation, how they were bullied. The only thing that is new is the cyber bullying. Mm -hmm. Everything is at their fingertips. And we have to teach our young people. Sometimes it is not that they're bullying you. The person might just be mean Hmm. they're being rude 
Mm-hmm. They're being insensitive. So you have to teach them because they're not getting this at home. Mm. You have to teach them how to differentiate the different tones. It might be macroaggression, whatever it is. It is not always that you're being bullied and the problem is that we have to explain to our students that their parents need to know exactly what is going on with them I'm a strong advocate to get parents involved and i'm very fortunate to be bilingual so i can speak to the parents in their native language right away i call the parents and get the parents on board i had an incident yesterday and i called the parent the parent came in and we had a conversation with the child this evening the child came in and wanted to know if i liked his mother i don't know what the mother said to him because i left the meeting room and i said yes i really like your mother because i told the mother that i was going to help her with him overcome whatever his problems were why he felt less than so i called for his report card do you have your report card with you of course he did i said well now let's analyze your report card here was a student out of eight grades that he had on his report card only two were in the 80s everything else was 92 to 97 so we had a little conversation a sidebar those that you might think are bullying you don't you think it is envy Mm-hmm. It might be something else. Let us interpret what is going on. Look at your report card. I made a mental note the honor societies that I'm going to form this year. That little person is going to be one of the officers because I am going to appoint officers for my first honor societies. he is going to be one of the leaders in that group it is important to hold high expectation for all of them and help them navigate let us talk about it and see exactly what is going on the person talking to you might be the person who is hurting 
And because they're hurting, they want to hurt you. They want to be mean. It is not happening every day. So therefore, again, you might need to readdress the problem with them and not blanket everything as them being bullied. I think it's a word that needs to have different degrees of defining it and get the students to understand that. They all can achieve. They're all unique. But if they are on line and they see something that somebody is cyberbullying them, share it with an adult, talk to an adult, and let us help you find ways to navigate what is going on. Don't take it to heart. There's something else going on. Sir? I'm probably going to get in trouble for saying this, but that was Dr. Delano Bryant. All right. Dr. <laughs> Teresa Fusan, what is your love language? I'm going to have to agree with uh, Ms. Bryant that that is words of affirmation, but I don't need a lot of that. Um, I... I don't know. I'm not a big awards person or I don't seek accolades and uh, don't necessarily have to have them. I'm fairly confident in who I am and my personal uh, successes, but my personal rewards, my personal rewards are from students. Um, I can get an email from a student or uh, or a uh, uh, or a like on LinkedIn or something from a student says, Dr. Bruce, I remember what you said about this or or or, or uh, your mission statement. I, I, I've been using it and it's helped me to complete my MBA or just those, those type of uh, accolades, I guess you could say, or whatever you call the word of expression. That's what gets me. It's not the university president president coming up saying well we have this wonderful award for 21 teacher of the year none of none of that really gets my better than a student coming to me and telling me how i impacted them in a, in a positive way and doing something that that's what it is for me um and and i don't look for it it just for um or one take say dr aldridge who's a former president of the University of Maryland University College said to me one day, she said, you know what, Teresa, you have so much power, you don't even recognize it. And that's what I love about you is your humility to not even know how it impacts people. So I'm not aware of it. People bring it to my attention, but I'm not aware of it because I'm only just being me. I just feel I'm just being me. So I don't Well, well I, I told you that on the last podcast. Remember on I the last podcast, it. I was like, you have those hidden powers and, and, and what I mean by those hidden powers, I, I was talking about in the spiritual realm. Donna was talking about those different degrees and levels yeah. Of, yeah. Of, of bullying, but but it, I mean that, you know, 
that's what I'll say, but that's the same thing in, in those different spiritual realms. I think they call them dimensions. But go ahead, I'm, I'm, I'm listening. Sorry about that. But, but yeah, but, but I don't see that. I don't see that, and 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 it's what others tell me that 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 is, and 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 that's fine when it comes, but I don't go seeking that. Um, I, to get an Atta girl every now and then is fine, but um, I know I know there are some teachers or professors who are they're always looking for the next award, or they're always looking for the next you know spotlight. They're always looking for the next day, and I'm not that type. I just let my work speak for me. I just let my work speak for me, and I just do me. And um, and what comes with that is, is is great reward because you know there's a scripture in the Bible says to whom much is given much is required. I believe that I've been given a lot. Um, I'm I am rich spiritually. No, I don't have no million dollar bank account. Not that kind of rich, but I'm rich spiritually, and I believe that I um, my job is to give and to teach and to do what I can to help others. So that's where and that's where my joy comes from. It is truly. Um, Kid Power, uh, again, the uh, nonprofit that I was on the board for 13 years, they had their annual event this evening. It was just, I just got off of that around 7.30 or so. And, and, it, and, 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 and they wanted to make me the leader of the year or something like that. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not really interested in those kind of accolades. I just want to give. I just want to give and um, um, and do what I can do for this. You know, I'll, I'll write another check or something like that, but I'd rather give than to receive um, because I believe that I'm blessed every day just getting up out of the bed and having a good day. So I think I have the same love language as Miss Brian there. Well, that's a good love language to have. I think I have the same one too. I'm not just saying it, okay, because Miss Brian and I have already had this conversation Okay, so I'm not fun. I'm keeping it real. And Ms. Brian can attest to that. I am telling you, you know, so, uh, but, <laughs> so great minds, I would say, think alike. I'm going to give that number. Thank you. I want to say this. Let me, <laughs> let me say this real quick. Because um, this next question I'm going to ask, and it, and this is going to be a two-part, uh, I, I, would, I would say, response uh, from, you know, both you and uh, Miss Delna Bryan, and but I, I feel like tonight there has been a lot of understanding that has, that has taken place tonight, right? And we have, in that understanding, we have, uh, I believe, uh, attained because you know now when we teach, the first thing they want to say is, all right, do the kids remember what you taught? They want to know if they remembered it first, then they want to know do they understand it. Okay, and then from there they want to go and say, okay, now can they analyze it, right? Can they analyze what they what they say they understood, right? So can they remember it? Can they define it? Can they understand it? Can they, you know, <laughs> evaluate it? Can they analyze it, right? And, and they go through all that before they even talking about creating. And my thing is, when we were children, all we worried about was creating. You gave us some clay. You gave us some crayons. You gave us a pencil, and we created. And it was it was what we felt at that time. And we drew whatever we wanted to draw. And it was, there was really, you know, we didn't think about theory. We didn't think about any kind of, I think it's like Bloom's, uh, taxonomy we didn't think about any of that we just did it 
right? Because that's how we were created. That's how God created us. He said, be fruitful and multiply. And so, and that's, when I say multiply, when I think that word multiply out, I think, you know, create, be fruitful and create or reproduce. However you want to def define it, right? And so, you know, man comes around and we put frameworks on everything because we don't think infinitely. Uh, uh, we think finite. And so with that uh, finite thinking, we have to snapshot everything, right? And we have to snapshot it so it we can understand it because if it's, if there's no frame, then we can't explain what we said and then there's no foundation and there's no structure. So uh, I think tonight we have identified very strong characteristics, right? And we have determined that compassion or, 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 or love is the superpower mm -hmm. that is necessary to resolve <clears throat> any situation. And, and we were talking to, in, in, <laughs> as children, that love is the answer. <laughs> and now, you know, we, we got these doctors on the panel. We got these, you know, you know, highly educated people on the panel. And still, it goes all the way back down to the basic need of love. And I'm talking about you give a child a puppy. This child loves this puppy. You know, the puppy's in, in, you know, sleeping at his feet in the bed. This is my dog. This is my pet and I love it and it goes back to that so the strategy is really simple love others, respect others like you respect yourself but that's not the question I'm going to ask and whoever wants to go first you can, my question is how can educators teach more on respecting the needs and rights of others while respecting your own needs and your own rights and how will this help our students express their ideas, right? And put up barriers to disruption in education to, and I mean, what I mean by disruption, and that's, and that's those negative things, right? That we call breaking the rules, the classroom rules, the school rules, right? And how do they say no to this? How do they set up those those boundaries to say, okay, you know what? I'm going to have fun. I'm going to socialize with you, but I'm only going this far because now you're breaking rules. And, and that's setting our children up to be moral citizens, to be more civically engaged. Who wants to take that question first? Well, I can take it. I'll um, take it. Go ahead, Dr. Prasad. Oh, okay. Um, um, yeah, the, the thing again, I, I guess I have, I guess Kid Power is on my mind today because Kid Power also teaches kids in D.C. civic duty. That's the, that's the crust of their program. They talk about being a moral citizen, being um, a citizen of character. Um, we recently had kids right before they started going back to school, but um, right out of the summer, Kids are coming up and down. I live on Capitol Hill. Kids are coming up and down the street in packs, 
And what they were doing was going up to doors and kicking in doors, literally kicked in my neighbor's door. My neighbor and his, he has two small kids, him and his wife were sitting in their living room. And they, I, I was in the house and I heard this thump. And next thing I know, they called me and they said the police were on the way. But these kids literally kick the door. They can't kick in my door. I, I actually have a storm door and then a door and a gate. So you got to do you got to do a whole bunch of stuff to get to my door. But but I guess um, they're doing. But this this is what these kids were doing in a pack. Now I'm I'm saying to myself, I know these kids know better. I know their parents know better. Probably taught them better. Is it their influence of who they're around? Here's the bullying thing or being in a pack, being influenced by the people you're around that make you want to do something like that. Now, all of the kids didn't do it because I have a video uh, uh, camera, and I went back and watched my video, and I saw that there was a pack of five, but three of them actually stood were actually in front of my house while the main two went up there. So it's, it's like they're with them, and then they all just take off running all over the place. Where does that behavior come from? Where does that that free will to just do wrong come from, you know, I would be sad to, to think that that, person, that that person came from a good family that taught them right from wrong, but yet they chose wrong. Um, um, my kids would never do anything like that because I taught them not to. So did, did the parents not teach their kids how to act or they just being rambunctious because of that moment? Um, and come to find out because I have the next door app, They've done it in many other neighborhoods. So this is not the only neighborhood. It was like kids maybe have nothing to do during the summer. There's just so many reasons as to why kids would disrespect someone else's property. They would disrespect neighbors like that. I mean, this man, uh, he he was furious because his two young kids' daughters were in the house. And it just felt felt like somebody was getting ready to just break down the door and come in. So... I just don't understand the mentality of the parents who don't know what their kids are out doing, I guess I could say. So, again, it starts at home. It is that home training, respect, respect. When we was growing up, you know, we couldn't even talk when adults were talking. We, you know, we, we, we couldn't do certain things because that respect was there. There was a boundary there that you just could not cross. So we have to teach our children to be respectful. I have a niece who has five boys, and I'm telling you, these young men are the most chivalrous, kind-hearted young men. I'm just so proud. They're my great-nephews, by the way. They're my niece's sons. But to be young black men, they, they are just different, and you can just tell they're different. They were brought up differently. They have this respect and courtesy and yes, ma'am, and, and just very, very honorable. I'm so proud of them. And they're all in the real estate. They all went to college, got their degrees, and, and things of that nature. So I, 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 don't, I know that parents play a huge role in what they teach their children. But some, even if you teach them, some kids just go astray. They go astray. I'm a, I mean, I'm a family. My parents were ministers, and it was nine of us. And um, I'm the baby. And it, it appears as though I got all of the messages, and my, some of my elder, my older siblings didn't. You know, one of them died of uh, alcoholism. Another one died of uh, cancer. Uh, uh, my brother died from a diabetic coma. Um, another one died from doing drugs, you know. 
they they were raised by the same parents as I was, but but they were raised in a different generation because I was the baby. I was much younger than them, so I got a I got a different treatment. I was I was on my dad's knee in church, you know. So, um, but but I look at that and say, how did we, especially the ones close to me, how did we grow up in the same household and become so different? So. Environment has a lot to do with it. Society has a lot to do with it. And then don't forget our own individual choices have a lot to do with it, our own individual choices. So if we choose to disrespect someone, if we choose to, um, to, to judge someone because of the way they are or who they are. Um, um, let me tell you something about my daughter, Felicity. Felicity educated. I learned so much from my children. But Felicity educated me on 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 the uh, the LGBTQ community and and, and, and 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 how how mom you can't you can't think like that you can't you know she would she would put me in check and I would have to go back and say wow she's right I can't I can't tell somebody who they should and should not love so I had to reassess and evolve in my thinking. About about different people because I I don't know how how they feel I can imagine how someone feels that they were born of male but have felt like a female all their life what is that about what is that about I can't identify with that how, how am I to tell them how to feel how am I to reject how they're feeling that's their feeling so I can't I can't reject that I can't tell them who to love they can't tell me who to love. So a lot of things, um, uh, these kids, those too, they, they come up in, when, in very confused environments and trying to figure out whether they're going to come out or, you know, the society has moved in a, in a, in a, in a different direction, it's more acceptable or people are more accepting. Um, but, yeah, we have to learn how to respect ourselves. And I think that um, educators try to do it. We try to do it. Uh, but I think a lot of it, starts at home. It can only be reinforced at school, but it has to start at home because that home environment sets the tone of how that person is. I would never disrespect a teacher. Never. I was never taught any differently. Teachers, and I love teaching um, these international students because international students have a high level of respect for educators for educators. So they, um, um, they, I wish Americans just, just looked at teachers in high esteem the way, uh, way, the, the way other people do as well. But learning to respect... Amen. <laughs> but learning to respect yourself and others starts at home. Okay, same question. Ooh, that was, that was so compassionate. Okay, Ms. Bryan, Donna Bryan, same question. Oh, wow. I'm sitting on the edge of my seat right now. Well, Ed, I agree with Dr. Poussaint on the fact that that education starts at home. But unfortunately, society has changed. Mm. It has become where parents are no longer, some parents, are no longer parents. <laughs> they want to be the friends mm -hmm. of the child. 
So how can that friend who might be doing the same thing that you want the child not to do, you're modeling the bad behavior for that child. That child needs to see. And that's where it comes that we might need some extended grandparents Mm -hmm. to step in to educate the younger generation. Everything now is a challenge on TikTok. And if they're following the media, they might not understand what they are doing, nor do they care. They just want to fit in. And TikTok is telling them, this is the challenge going out to all the teenagers. TikTok is telling them that they can do X, Y, Z by kicking the doors. And nothing will happen to them. There is a challenge for them to do X, Y, Z to teachers, female teachers at school. Mm. Nothing will happen to them. There are a whole lot of challenges. That's where, again, the parents, the teachers, you also need to know what they're watching, what they're listening to, who they're listening to, their music, have some strange beat. So you need to change what they are doing. I let them know, to thine own self be true. Are you really comfortable doing the challenge that TikTok gave you? (laughs) Is that what you wanted to do, truly? Are you a follower or are you a leader? Mm -hmm. This is an everyday conversation that you have to have with your students. I'm grateful that I have a lot more flexibility. I am not a core teacher. I'm an elective teacher. So I don't have to worry too much about teaching to the test. I can take minutes out of my class to have, and I phrase it, I tell them according to ancient history, we're going to have a come to Jesus meeting. And they just look at me, and we start having our conversation. They know that I care. That's definite. I care. And I'm there for them, whatever their problem might be.